Hello, I'm John Orty. I'm a stunt historian, author, broadcaster and producer, and the man behind Behind the Stunts on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Welcome to this episode and a series of podcasts dedicated to the action stunts in the James Bond movies. My new book is the definitive guide to everything action-packed in the film series. It looks at the stunts, the performers, the coordinators and the stories behind these incredible moments captured on the film. Hello and welcome to this whistle-stop look at No Time to Die. And it's important that everyone is aware before we start that we're not doing spoilers here. I mean, you know, I do action. It's about the stunts and action set pieces, so don't panic. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I won't be stomping all over the bits you haven't already seen in the trailer. The trailer, although, is a good place to start, as it kept selling the big gag, which for me was the motorcycle jump. It's very impressive, and typically in the film industry was hacked to bits by the editor, I suspect, but did it deserve the hype? Well, for me... I think it could have been done differently. I'd like to have seen shots of the statue-carrying crowd looking up from their hymn books to see just how close this guy was getting on his motorbike before he launches himself up the 45 feet into the square in front of the church, where again a sign of the cross or two from a passing disciple wouldn't have gone amiss. Paul Edmondson was the stunt rider, and as he says himself, he still got the moves for a man just the other side of 50. Cars are provided by Jaguar, or Jaguar, if you're in that neck of the woods. And uh, because production cars are so complex technically these days, the tyre pressures had to be increased to assist with sliding on the road surfaces. And when that failed, many gallons of Coca-Cola, because irreparable damage to the liver and lungs, are poured into the street surface to aid sliding. The Aston Martin, on the other hand, well, it isn't an Aston. Typically, on films like these, the producers want the cars to do things they just couldn't do in real life. Like have a car from 1964 outrun a fleet of brand new Jaguar XFs and a very powerful Triumph motorcycle. The Aston itself was a BMW under the Aston wardrobe. Uh, starting an Aston from 1964 would have been tricky enough, let alone power sliding it beautifully during a high-speed take. Mark Higgins, the stunt driver doubling Daniel Craig in the DB5, makes the car do the most spectacular manoeuvres with inch-perfect precision. He's an incredible asset to the franchise. Doubling-wise, well, David Grant and Jean-Charles Russo are on top form here as DC's physical doubles. They really seem to have got many of his physical mannerisms, which is so much of what a stunt double has to do before doubling an actor. Excellent work by these guys. And for the ladies in the picture, their doubles are also the cream of the crop and have made each of the actors they double very proud indeed. Jessica Hooker, Elizabeth Donker Curtis, Jessica Hawkins and Maria Gnecci all doubled Lea Sadu on the movie. 
Lashana Lynch was doubled by Marie Merom, a very physical role for her, and Anna de Armas was doubled by Munye Muller in her spectacular sequence, already talked about by many who've seen it as one of the very best scenes in the movie. We must also mention the very brave stunt women who took a plunge into icy waters at the start of the film, Chelsea Mather and Christina Petru, who were outstanding, difficult working conditions, but on screen, their shots are very impressive. The action on the movie is very impressive, full stop, as you'd expect from a Bond, but for me, some of the best work is the close combat scenes. Bond in hand-to-hand combat with another. The moves are fluid and come really quickly after each other, but in order to believe that Daniel Craig is James Bond, he must be trained in these disciplines by professionals. He has fight training under the watchful eye of fight coordinator Patrick Vaux, who moulds the movements into simple two to three second shots, which allow the actors to get as many setups completed as possible. All the right angles can then be used by the editor at a later stage. Then he must run through the weapon training, how to hold the weapon, remove and reload the clip, balance it when carrying it so it looks natural. All of this is massively important if you are to play the world's most important secret agent. It's not just him either. All the cast who hold a weapon or fire one during the movie must undergo rigorous training as all aspects of firearm behavior. Another example of doing it for real. So, we have cars, guns and fights and falls. It has all the basic action ingredients to make a James Bond cake. This one is very tasty, very smooth, very big and sumptuous in the middle. And if you eat enough of it, you won't be able to sample the rest. The days of skiing off mountains pursued by Russian hit teams are long gone. This is what Bond and Beyond looks like for the 21st century. And if you're a fan of James Bond action, just pray you don't have to wait another six years plus for your next slice of that action. This is just too good to turn down an extra helping of. 